0: Welcome to the Salty and Bright podcast, a show about how we can better live as God's salt and light today. Today, I'm excited to welcome Peter Tickner to the podcast. Peter was born and raised in South Africa as part of a loving Christian family. After moving to Australia in 1989, Peter enrolled in the Macquarie School of Biblical Studies alongside his wife and fellow South African, Claire. After graduating in 1996, Peter and Claire settled in Macquarie, New South Wales, where Peter has since worked in full-time ministry as a preacher, evangelist and kids' class teacher for almost 30 years. Peter and Claire have two young adult children, Laura and Jaren, and remain committed members of the Macquarie Church of Christ. So to get our conversation going, Peter, about our theme of evangelism, I was wondering if you could share a bit about your own story of how you personally came to know Christ and his
1: church. For me, it was quite an easy thing because I grew up in the Church of Christ. So, you know, every day we prayed. Uh, My mum would have Bible devotions with us before we went off to school. We'd always have Bible discussions and have people in our homes, so... God and Christianity was just was life for us. however I also realized that you know I needed to make that decision and I think as a, as a youngster I was I'd heard so much about being baptized and you know in the Church of Christ we have a big emphasis on that so when my brother told my mum he wanted to be baptized, we went around to the, the preacher's house and uh, the preacher was asking my brother some questions about, you know, if he understood the gospel and what the gospel was. And, and I put up my hand and I said, but mum, I also want to be baptized. I think my mum nearly fell off the chair. She said, no, 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 you can't do that. You're too young. Uh, wait till you're older. But I, I knew who Jesus was. I'd, I'd heard all about him. I'd, I had my own Bible. I'd been re- encouraged to read my Bible. I can't think as an 11-year-old, you don't know a whole lot. But I, I knew enough to know, hey, this is right, this is wrong. But so how did I come to, to know Christ was basically really good Sunday school teachers who taught me all the way through, listening to great gospel preachers preaching. I think it's a an influence of, of a whole church investing in me and teaching me from the time I was a, a, a little baby up until I was old enough to go, hey, you know, this is, a, this is a choice that I want to make.
0: I'm curious to know, Peter, whether you have, you know, one Sunday school teacher or one preacher or maybe even a specific memory that really stands out to you as being that moment where that seed was planted in you, that seed of love for Jesus and evangelism.
1: I had some amazing Sunday school teachers. As a kid, going to Sunday school classes was just wonderful. You know, back in the days with flannel graphs and pictures on, on the things. When I was 11, going to 12, you know, going, was, there there's an opportunity for me to go into the teenage class and I went in there and I just didn't like it. It didn't fit in too well. So I went back to a, a, the younger class and stayed with more of my peers over there, but We had a wonderful program at our church. We'd have Sunday morning worship and then Sunday night worship at 6 o'clock. At 5 o'clock on the Sunday evening, they had two classes. One was for the young boys and one was for the young girls. The girls' class was called the Dorcas class and the boys' class was called the Timothy class. Uh, and I had a wonderful um, guy who was working with it. His name's Jerry Hogg. He wasn't the, the full-time preacher, but he was working with the, the school over there and the church. And he just took all these young boys, 10, 12, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old boys under his wing. And he started training us and said, well, one day you're going to need to share your faith and we want you to be young Timothys. And so someone like Jerry who just took us boys under his wing and and you kind of grew up saying, I want to be like him, you know. He's a follower of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus like Jerry is a follower of Jesus. That was a very, a great age where you where you start questioning things and get challenged on things, but given opportunities to lead a prayer, and we were in a big congregation of about 350 people, that challenged us to say, hey, we need to take this seriously. And he, in a sense, kind of like discipled us and just saw us as his little disciples. And I think that was absolutely so valuable and had a huge, huge influence on our, on our lives. And so, you know, a whole bunch of us, by the time we were 11, 12, 13, we were all putting up our hands and saying, you know, I want to be baptized into Christ. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Even the seeds, and I'll come back to this later maybe, but seeds were being planted. From the time when I was a little baby, seeds were planted in our lives This is who we are. This is how we live our lives. This is how we behave. This is who Jesus is. And these little seeds had been planted all the way along. And so for us to then respond to that, it was an easy transition.
0: And that actually leads nicely onto my next question, Peter, which is what do you understand evangelism to mean? You've already touched on it a bit, but could you talk a bit more about how we should understand evangelism and what it actually looks like.
1: Ultimately, our greatest role model is Jesus. I see see Jesus walking around, preaching, teaching, sharing life with people all the time. And I look at the 12 disciples who were there with him. What an amazing time to be with Jesus. And he was just planting seeds and getting them ready for the work of continuing to preach the gospel once he was gone. And evangelism, in that sense, to me, is, is about planting seeds. I see it as the, the, the parable of the sower. Even if you look at that parable of those four different soils, you could say, some of it's on a rocky path and the birds come and take it away or the devil snatches them away. Um, some of that seed falls amongst the, the rocks and it grows up for a little bit and they dwindle out or some fall among the thorns and the worries and the cares of life stop them from growing. And then obviously some falls on the good soil. But I think the whole message of that, an evangelist, is this person who's going out there and and scattering seeds. As an evangelist, evangelism is not just something I do. I say, oh, I'm going to go and evangelize now. It's really a lifestyle. It's a whole whole being. It's everything, thinking about, wow, there's this amazing message I have to share because of who I am, who, who Christ has made me to be. And why wouldn't I want to share that? I look at it as the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's a command that we've been given. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, then I'm going to put up my hand and say, okay, whatever you want me to do, Lord, here I am, send me, use me in whatever way you can. And there's ways for every one of us to be involved in evangelism. It's not just, hey, we've got a, a paid evangelist in the church, but all of us have got a part to play in that. Coming back to like I said, when I was young, that Sunday school teacher who taught me She was an evangelist because she was sharing the good news of Jesus with me and preparing me for down the track. There's lots of areas where we can all play a part in in evangelism, but it's about sharing this wonderful, wonderful, amazing news of Jesus with the world. And I I kind of tell people, I had the best job in the world. And people ask me to say, why? What are you talking about? I say, well, I'm an evangelist. You know, I am get paid by the church to evangelize. I would do it for free. I'd be evangelist. I'm going to evangelize no matter what, no matter where we are or whatever we're doing. But boy, it brings about the greatest change in anyone's life. Think about that passage in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm not just doing it just because I'm commanded to, but because I've been given this privilege of being an ambassador for Christ. I get to represent him to the world. And we've been given this, this, as he talks about there, a message and a ministry of reconciliation. I just think of the world as lost in sin, and I get to share the message of Jesus and help people to be reconciled with God. My goodness, who wouldn't want to be doing that? That is the greatest thing in the world to be able to do.
0: If I can just shift our conversation a bit, Peter, to talk about, the early church in terms of their approach to evangelism and what it looked like in the first century. Do you have any thoughts on what we as Christians today can learn from the early church?
1: That's a fantastic question. And it's there's so much to learn from the early church. All we gotta do is open up the book of Acts and, you know, you start in chapter one, two, three, four, even the first five chapters, six, seven chapters there, we can see a lot about their message. They're going around and they're preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the message. For us, it's a little bit harder in a sense. We, we haven't walked with Jesus. We haven't seen him feed 5,000 people. We're not eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Those disciples were. However, we've got our Bible and we can read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and we can see exactly that. But they saw Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. His, we've seen his miracles, we've seen his death, burial and resurrection and we can't shut up about that. They just went and they just talked to people. And you read in chapter four, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, they get arrested, they get thrown in prison, they get beaten up. And what are they doing? They're rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering for his name. Wow, that's what I want to... I want to have that same passion that they had. I'm a scary cat, you know. Um, I want to be I wanna be courageous as they are. There's this whole church that gathers together and they preach the word of God boldly. And so much so that when they brought before the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin accused them and said, you, you've turned Jerusalem upside down with your preaching, you know. And that's... Uh, what can we learn from the early church? This zeal and this passion that they had Because, again, they saw Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's tell people about Jesus. He's come and he's given us hope. He's given us salvation. He's given us life. He's given us his spirit to dwell in us. We have got this incredible message. And you see that as you read through Acts, you see Stephen and him being persecuted and stoned to death. And you see Peter going and preaching. And then you just look at Paul's missionary journeys going to Lystra and being stoned in Lystra, and then they drag him out of the city. If that was me, I'd be saying, cheers, guys, I'm off, I'm, I'm out of here. I'd be like John Mark, I'm leaving, I'm going. Uh, I, I don't want to do this anymore. But he dusts himself off, goes back into the city and encourages the Christians. Who does that? Only someone who knows that Jesus is his Lord and is his master. You look at even in Acts chapter 8, there starts with this persecution of the church, and what they do, as they got scattered, took the gospel with them they taught it in a pagan world where people didn't understand them the jews thought they were crazy the gentiles thought they were crazy they said well so what you can kill me but i've got a reward i'm gonna i'm going to heaven anyway i'm gonna preach this message and that's exactly what they did i think boy wouldn't it be amazing if we could just figure out and see that for ourselves i need to talk to people about jesus and if they don't like me, if they think I'm a, a stupid idiot or, or something, or who cares what they think? My faith's not in them. My faith is in Jesus. And I've only got a limited time over here. I'm going to do what I need to do. Just like those early Christians were. They they realized my life is finite. I've only got a limited time here to to share this message. I'm going to share it. So yeah, I think I learned a lot from that. the early church, their their zeal, their passion, their courage, their generosity, whether it was supporting Paul on his journeys or them gathering funds to take to help the church when it was a time of famine, the way that they um, opened their homes, their hospitality—I mean, there's there's so many different things that um, you can see. But just living that Christianity, I can't imagine being fed to lions or being burnt at the stake or something just because of your your faith. And yet they did that because. That faith was so real, was so real. This is Jesus. He is my Lord and Master. And if we can have that same zeal for for Christ, we can turn Sydney upside down. We can turn Melbourne upside down. We can turn Australia upside down with the gospel. You know, it's different today. We've got all sorts of other political correctness and other things. We might talk about that later, but we've got a whole different world. At the end of the day, people are still people and people need the gospel of Jesus.
0: Well, Peter, I think you gave us a lot of really good insights, especially into the book of Acts and just how dedicated the first Christians were to spreading the gospel that early on. And so I was wondering how you think we should approach evangelism given our situation. You know, for those of us in Australia, we live in a pretty secular country where the majority of our friends or neighbours wouldn't know Jesus or wouldn't even want to know Jesus?
1: It's a really good question and it's a a real challenge for us. You know, we can look at the book of Acts and we can see a lot of the hostility there. Uh, People didn't understand or know why would you worship a god? Why would your god come down to earth, you know, and become a man? You know, I'm going to worship my own Zeus or Apollos or the sun or the moon or, or some other gods. And so theirs was a very pagan world in some sense, and that was very difficult. But even the, amongst the Jews to accept that Jesus was the Messiah, that was very difficult for the Christians. And so that, that persecution came from the Jews. It came from the Gentiles, uh, or the pagans. It, it came from a lot of different areas. Our world today is very different in that it is a very secular society, and Christianity is on the nose. It's got a bad rap in the world. I've had people who posted something on Facebook, you know, just an innocent comment, and man, they've been attacked, attacked vehemently, and it was quite an innocent little thing. Not even necessarily about Christianity, but people are so oh, to to try and attack you on things, and and there's a there's this fear of will really get ostracized, especially if you, if you start saying, well, this is what Jesus says or this is what the Bible says. People ask me my opinion on things, and we see it whether you're a rugby player or a sports person or, or anything. If you stand up for Jesus or Christianity or what the Bible says, they are going to shut you down. And there, there is persecution with that. Um, it's not, no, we're not being fed to the lions, but I know Christians who, because of their faith, have lost jobs or have not been promoted because people know, oh, you're a Christian. That does have an effect in our world today. So there is persecution, very strong persecution. And it makes it really, really, really hard to be able to say, I'm going to keep preaching that message. And if people ask me what I believe, I'm going to tell them. Now, I think what we've got to do is very important that we speak the truth in love. And I think humility is a very big part to play in that. Don't come across as a, as a know-it-all. People are going to have lots of different opinions about the Bible, whether they accept it or not, whether they believe in God or not. Um, but I always just want to be humble in my approach to people. One of the, I'll just say this. As bad as, as our secular world is, with all the political correctness or immorality or, or whatever, there are still people who are looking for God. And there's lots of people, actually, who if we sit down with them and we can share the message of Jesus then the word will do the talking and so I don't have to say well your lifestyle or your immorality or your anything I don't going to judge people on that I just going to share Jesus with them if I plant that seed they, they might be on the, they might be on the rocky path and, and they might never never grow and the birds might come and, and snatch them away but if I keep planting that seed now and then some of that seed's going to fall on that good soil and, and people are going to read this message and they go wow hey, there's sin in my life and I need to repent of this and I need to make some changes and it's the word that's going to convict them.
0: So Peter, do you have any tips and tricks that you could share with us as to how we can navigate those tough conversations or arguments or awkward encounters, which I think we've all had? Do you have any advice for how we can better evangelize in the midst of all that?
1: You actually got to sit down and have a conversation. The question is, how do we get to have that conversation? Many years ago, we started off with um, Bible correspondence courses. We'd letterbox invitations to a correspondence course. People could do that in the privacy of their own home, no questions. You know, they didn't have to see anyone face to face. They did the course, and then we'd give them a certificate of completion when they finished. And I'd, I'd get in touch with them and say, hey, I've got your certificate. Can I bring it over to your house? Nine times out of 10, people would say, oh, yeah, come on over, you know, and I'd, I'd got to meet people. I said, wow, you did really well on your questions. He has your certificate. Hey, on this one, you got this question wrong. Yeah, he has the answer to that and built them up a bit, but also just talk to them about their questions. And then just ask them, hey, so you've done this course. Do you want to know more about Jesus? And people say, oh, yeah, or no, or no, I'll go to my own church or, or whatever. Or, yeah, I'd like to know more. And so from that, I started up Bible studies with people and shared the gospel some more. And people responded and, st- and some were baptized. You know, so I used correspondence courses. Then a few years ago, I got onto Friendspeak. And first year in Sydney, this is just a wonderful tool. We've got the Macquarie University down the road from us. So people coming to university, living in this area from basically all over the world. Jesus says, "Go into all the world, preach the gospel." Well, the world's come to us, and I look and say, "Well, thank you, God, you've made you've made my job easier because now I can evangelize to with Chinese and Koreans and people from Malaysia or India or Russians or whoever it is." So we we offered friend speakers a way of of reaching out, and it's just about helping people with English, and I'm just honest with people straight up. I say. I'll help you with your pronunciation. we will learn some vocabulary. I'll help you with your uh, university assignments. I'll help you with your grammar. But we're going through the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to teach you about Jesus. And they go, yeah, okay. I even had two Muslim girls who came along. And they said, oh, I said, oh, honestly, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I helped them. And, they, and they, even along the way, they said, yeah, we believe in the Prophet Muhammad. Yes, there's Moses and Jesus. But I shared with them about Jesus. They'd, and all was us planting the seed. And I think this is a way to to get to talking with people. And that's what all we've got to find is a way to sit down and have a conversation. Some people have coined the phrase friendship evangelism. And that's what it is, being a friend with someone and then sharing the gospel with them. I just challenged our congregation and those in our Bible class. I said, select five names, five people that you know who are not Christians and start praying for them. Don't Choose 10 people, don't choose 20 people, that's too much. Maybe even choose two who are not Christians and start praying for them and pray for opportunities. God, give me an opportunity to sow the seed. God, help me with opportunities to, to develop a friendship with this person. Get in their life, share your life with them. Let them see your example. Talk about your faith and do all those things. But don't ever forget to just keep sharing that message. It might take 10 years before they're ready to listen. But you keep praying, you keep looking for opportunities, keep doing that. So use friend speak, use correspondence courses, use door knocking if that's, if you're able to do door knocking. But we all know people who don't know the gospel. It's very hard to go cold canvassing and knocking on a door of a stranger and try and say, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Because I know what it's like when someone tries to call me up and tell me, hey, I want to share something with you. I've got one thing going through my mind. What's the nicest, the quickest and politest way to get rid of this person? You know, But if we, we do know people that we can we can talk to and we can share with. I've done a lot of talking today. You've been a very good listener. And I guess if people are listening to this, they, they, they are listening because they're listeners. Uh, but one of the things we need to often do when we're having sharing our faith is, is just be a good listener. Don't just do what I've done for the last hour. Actually, just listen to people and hear where they're at. Listen to them about their struggles and their fears and their hopes and dreams and things. And then from that, start sharing a message. And then I think one of the things we've got to do as Christians is be generous. Be generous with our time. Be generous with your money. We might have to have a few coffee breaks together or a few meals in your home or, or whatever it's going to take to work on that relationship so that you can share that message. And then just, again, be zealous and know that this is a person who's a soul who desperately needs Jesus. I, I may have got sidetracked on, on what your question was, uh, but I just think of a, a bunch of those kind of things. There's lots of ways that we can, we can share the gospel, uh, and there's lots of people out there who are searching. I have some students who have been teaching with Friendspeak Speak for, for quite a while, and their English is terrible, but I help them with their English. And they, but they, their comments have been, oh, Peter, I'm so looking forward to having Bible class today. Oh, I'm looking forward to learning about Jesus. Wow, I didn't know this about Jesus. And that's the key. If we can just share Jesus with people, all the other things are, are not going to matter.
0: So that was, in fact, my last question on our theme of evangelism. But Peter, I was wondering if you'd answer five more questions in a kind of rapid round.
1: Sure, sure. Sounds wonderful.
0: Great. So the first rapid question I have for you, Peter, is what is your favourite Bible verse and why?
1: Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 has been one of my favourite ones for, for quite a while where Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and, and burdened or heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. So come to Jesus. My approach to evangelism, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be gentle. I want to be humble in heart. But I want to help other people come to Jesus.
0: The second question, Peter, is who is your Bible hero and why? Ooh,
1: uh, that's a good question. Uh, it, it's changed from time to time. I think Moses is, is way up there. There was no one like him, the Bible says, who was as humble and as patient as he was. He had the most amazing experiences in witnessing God or seeing the tail end of God, being hidden in the cleft of the rock, receiving God's law, and then leading God's people as this humble, gentleman. Yes, because of his sin he didn't get into the promised land, but but he was serving God with his whole life. I, I'm also a preacher in the church and I and I deal with people in the church and I deal with people in the world and sometimes people can frustrate you to no end. And, and I look at I look at Moses and I think, Wow, he he had to deal with all of that. I can learn from Moses. So he's, he's, he's the character I, I I look up to a lot.
0: So the next question I have for you, Peter, is when or where do you feel closest
1: to God? Ah, that's a, that's a great question, and I'll, I'll try and give you a, a short answer. <laughs> I, I live near the bush, so sometimes I walk through the bush and I'm surrounded by cockatoos and kookaburras and amazing trees and a, and a river and stream, and I just see God's, I see nature, I see God's creation around me. In my whole life, I'm, hopefully I'm walking with God, but that's my time where I feel closest to God because I walk with God. And, you know, as the old song says, we walk and talk as good friends should and do. And we just talk about my children and my wife and our jobs and, and the church and people I'm sharing the gospel with and my sermon that I'm preaching on Sunday. And I just talk to God about that. And so that's the way I feel the closest uh, to God, just because it's it's uninterrupted, just God and I together.
0: And fourth rapid question is, what is an ordinary moment that fills you with gratitude?
1: Well, I am very grateful for the, the, the church family that I'm in over here at Macquarie. They are very gracious, and I, I see people living their Christianity. Uh, my wife hurt her back this week, and someone came around, around to the church building, to my office just a, an hour ago or so, and dropped off a meal for my wife and I, for our family. I thought, wow that's amazing. They didn't have to do that. Um, I'm not sure if we needed it, but that was just, I feel so grateful for my Christian brethren. And when I see our Sunday school teachers on Sunday morning teaching children, uh, I can't do that. And, and they doing that, and they're doing a fantastic job of that. And, and I'm so grateful. Or I see Someone's gone and prepared the Lord's supper things, or the song leaders leading the song, and they glorifying God in in leading us. And I'm just so great. I'm I'm grateful when I see Christians living their Christianity. That just fills me with gratitude. And what a wonderful joy to be a part of a a, a church and see see that around us all the time. Uh, and I just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for this family. And, and at the same time, saying thank you, thank you, God, for sending Jesus. But I'm so glad that I'm a part of a, a church family. That fills me with gratitude.
0: So, the fifth and final question, Peter, is what is one lesson God is still trying to teach you?
1: Ooh, <laughs> very good question. There, there, there's lots of things, actually. Even just, I think, keeping in with what we've been talking about here with evangelism, it's easy for me to talk about it. But the, the message he's still teaching me is these are my people out here uh, and they need salvation. I want you to go and do your part. And that's the lesson I'm, I'm learning every day. Again, I want to be like that early church. I want to be bold. I want to be courageous. Uh, I want to be passionate and zealous. And that's, I'm still learning that, to have that fire. And you know, we sing a song, you know, light the fire in my soul. I love to sing that song. I'm not even sure it's about that evangelism, but I just want to say, God, keep lighting that fire in me. I still need that uh, because I, I can procrastinate and I can put things off and I can put the evangelism thing in the two hard baskets. I'm wanting to learn that it's, it's who I am. It's my lifestyle as a Christian. And so that's, it's an ongoing lesson that I'm still, God's still teaching me every day.
0: Well, I think we can end our conversation there, Peter, on that reminder to stay on fire for God, like that song says, and to have the same zeal of the early church. I was really looking forward to hearing what you had to say about this topic, because your passion for Christ is just super clear. So thank you so much for sharing all your insights with us and for making time to chat.
1: Thank you so much for, wow, this amazing opportunity. I was also conscious of the fact that I I, I ramble on a lot and I say (laughs) a lot of things, but thank you again for this amazing opportunity. Uh, And if this can be helpful for anyone, boy, let God be glorified and all the glory goes to to God for, for what he has done and what he continues to do.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the first episode of our new series on evangelism. As always, feel free to send any feedback about the podcast to saltyandbrightpod at gmail.com and keep an eye out for episode two coming soon. But until next time, stay salty and bright.